Hi everyone, I'm Greg Harton, editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome to another edition of Speaking of Arkansas. Arkansas communities have had homeless populations for years, and that's certainly true here in Northwest Arkansas. Many think of the disheveled man with a cardboard sign on a street corner, or someone sleeping in a dugout at a little league baseball park. Those people exist, but an even larger group are people quote-unquote couch surfing with friends and family, but who do not have stability in their living conditions. There are families living in their cars because that's the only shelter they can afford. There are also the mentally ill who struggle to maintain jobs and interact with others in ways people are comfortable with. Homelessness is a condition that for years was easier to ignore. Why? They were effectively out of sight and therefore out of mind. In more recent years, though, they have become more visible, in part thanks to the U.S. Supreme Court. The High Court affirmed that street corner begging was a form of free speech protected by our U.S. Constitution. Seeing panhandlers on street corners woke a lot of people up to the issue of homelessness, not always in an altruistic sense. Some just wanted them swept back into the woods again like it used to be. Others, however, have stepped up to help. And as our guest today notes, panhandlers and the homeless are not always the same folks. Dr. Kevin Fitzpatrick has been researching and helping homeless people for years. He's a professor of sociology at the University of Arkansas campus in Fayetteville. He operates the UA's Community and Family Institute. He is also directly engaged in community projects that he hopes will help lift people out of homelessness. We sat down with Dr. Fitzpatrick in our Fayetteville office to discuss his work, how Northwest Arkansas responds to the homeless, and the conditions homeless people of Northwest Arkansas face today. Thanks for joining us today. Well, it's awesome to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. Uh, let's start really with today. Let's, uh, let's talk about New Beginnings, mm -hmm. uh, which is in South Fayetteville. Um, a project that is, uh, as I understand it, designed to uh, really be a first step for bringing people out of homelessness. So tell me a little bit about, about how that got started and, and why you think it'll work. I think that um, to jump immediately to the why I think it might work before we describe it is that nothing else like it exists. Um, and, and I think think that that part of our goal all along was to develop a project that would help fill a gap that was wider than it needed to be and that no other provider in Northwest Arkansas was either equipped to do it or had a vision to do it. And so the, the idea behind New Beginnings was to create an on-ramp for unsheltered homeless persons who would have uh, an opportunity to create some stability in their lives. And, and we have, thankfully, uh, a shelter in Northwest Arkansas through the Salvation Army that provides some relief for unsheltered persons. Um, they are able to go there and spend the night. They're able to get a hot meal and take a shower and do a load of laundry. But then they're asked to, to leave the, the property until 4.30 or 4 o'clock, and, and, and then they can come back on. And, and that, that 
continual uh, revised uh, version um, uh, of a lifestyle uh, can go on for a number of days and and then they have to have a gap and then they can come back and and it's just really disruptive and so what we felt like was if we could get on sheltered persons into the community create some stability security um, a clean environment a safe uh, environment that for some period of time they'd be able to to just take a deep breath and and not worry about what they worry about every single night which is is somebody going to steal my my stuff is somebody going to come up and 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 create a problem for me personally uh is my dog going to get loose uh you know or or we, you know again a, a number of problems that that we could go on all all day long talking about the individual circumstances of somebody who lives in an unsheltered life. Um, and so what we wanted to do was to create this environment that would allow them to on-ramp out of the woods, out of their car, out of some circumstance that's unfit for human habitation, uh, and, and just take a deep breath. Uh, and, and then create, around that stability, create a, an environment of service uh, that that wraps services whether they need medical or mental health or substance abuse or or just just general case management uh, and begin to, to unwrap and, and and unpack all of what is behind why are you living in the woods and, and of course we know that for for many people it's as simple as I'm living in the woods because there's no place that'll take my dog or I'm living in the woods because, um, you know, I can't seem to have the stability around which to, to have a, a, a phone, um, a place of, of residence, uh, and, 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 and work on getting a job. And, and there's, again, uh, hundreds of thousands of stories, but they all boil down to one. And, and when people are in unsheltered circumstances, they are in upheaval. They're in an emotional upheaval. They're a physical up. I mean, there's no stability. And so, so we wanted to create some kind of a, a stable living environment, which means that somebody could come on campus. Uh, and once they are vetted and, and are brought in, that, that's a 24 seven life that they have there. Um, now, day one, it's time to work on why are you living in the woods and what can we do to change that? It's not, hey, just come here and, and this is going to be your alternative to the woods. That That's because it's not a permanent place to live. You know, it is a temporary, uh, what we'll call bridge housing, uh, that, that bridges between uh, the unsheltered circumstance and the more permanent circumstance. So let's just talk for a minute about what New Beginnings looks like. It's it's a piece of property the University of Arkansas used to own. Yes. Uh, sold it to... Um, uh, serve NWA. Serve NWA, which mm-hmm. has served as kind of the parent organization yes. of this project. That's correct. Um, and uh, you're talking about actually building like A-frame lumber mm-hmm. glass yes. shelters yeah. where, where somebody can sleep 
be secure, mm-hmm. have a have a lock on the door. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. All uh, those things are are exceptionally vital, right? Yeah. Uh, and, all the things that we take for granted. And, um, a, and a, about twenty of them to start with. There will be twenty. We got a conditional use permit from the uh, City of Fayetteville Planning Commission uh, for twenty units on site. Uh, I think that we'll we have uh, nearly five acres of property that will allow us to expand if, in fact, we make a decision that things are going the way we want them to go and, and, and we're having success, we have an immediate uh, space for an additional 10 um, without having to change anything. Okay. Uh, the capacity of, of what we have, have designed would take up to 30, uh, but we, we wanted to start small. There's a reason is, is that we're going to fail. Uh, I'd rather fail small than big. Uh, and and it's going to take a while for us to, to find that sweet spot as to how we can take people in, how we can serve them, and how we can off-ramp them into uh, additional housing. Now, that's there, in, in fact, lies a problem uh, because every housing service provider that you talk to has a waiting list. Uh, and, and we are, in fact gonna compress that or or expand that that waiting list but it's it's a, again it goes back to the no one is serving this population nor are they equipped to do it we have to do something uh, we cannot tolerate uh people living in the woods in northwest arkansas i just not, i mean i just can't so through your study of um the sociological of uh, influences of homelessness, plus your your own personal experience and and yeah. uh, uh, visiting with folks uh, who are in this situation, um, is this sort of bridge housing? Does it change the mindset of the person who is homeless uh, to to where things start becoming possible for them yeah, again? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great question, and I think that 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 part of our intention all along was to sort of circumvent the, the notion that somehow people can jump from the woods to an apartment. They can't, you know, and, and that's just filled with, with failure. Uh, and, and so the idea of, of bridge housing, which I will say that, it, you know, it's bridge housing, gap housing, it's, it's, a, it's a relatively new concept in our understanding of this continuum of care. Uh, but, but what we do know is, is that uh, the, the lack of stability in their lives uh, creates, and, and what's brought in, can create a, a new perspective that, again, if the only thing that, that consumes a person on a daily basis is survival, I, I don't understand how you could possibly work on substance abuse. I don't know how you could work on getting a job. I don't know how you can you you could manage any of that when all you're worried about is where I'm going to sleep. Is it going to be safe? Is anybody going to steal my stuff? Where can I do this? What can I? You know, I mean, it's just overwhelming on a, on a day by day basis. So so yes, to your point, I think that that what we do know is that people when they are prepared for that kind of apartment living or or now community engagement that maybe has been absent from their lives for for some time it's a bit of of a reboot that's that's needed and and some training and some education Uh, and you know i mean it's our goal to be able to bring people into the community and and spend time working on some of those things you know what does it mean to be a good neighbor 
because you forgot it when you were living in the woods. So uh, New Beginnings will will have the, I guess what some people call micro shelters. Yes. Uh, but it will also have a facility there where some of these services will be available right. to, to them on site. We uh, made a decision at the outset that we wanted to create shelter but we didn't want them to be so uh, self-contained that, that, that it would stretch uh, the person's ability to engage in a community. Because you could build 20 units that would be self-contained and you, could, you, you, you basically would be creating 20 communities. Um, and, and unless you forced uh, and awkwardly created some system for them to engage, uh, they'd most people would stay to themselves and, and they wouldn't engage. And so, so we purposely decided, you know, let's give them a place to sleep, a place to, to have privacy, to store their, their stuff and, and to have a, a, a place that they can call their own. But let's also then create a community space. Uh, and so, so we're building a community porch system where there'll be, um, uh, community showers and bathrooms and restrooms, uh, and then uh, there'll be some gathering space uh, <clears throat> and laundry facilities uh, next to that. Then we'll have uh, an office for our program director and an office for our uh, case manager. And then on the far end of the other end of the porch, we'll have uh, an extended gathering space, dining facility, kitchen that would all be in a space where there would be a large pantry. We'd, we'd have uh, space for, for commercial uh, uh, kitchen, uh, and, and we would then use that facility. My, my goal would be to, to not have um, a kitchen that was uh, a requirement for food security. My, my goal would be to have the community, the larger Northwest Arkansas community, uh, donate uh, and engage with our community on, on a Monday through Friday basis by providing food. Uh, and, and they could do that at a number of, uh, in, a, in a number of ways. Our goal would be, we would love for you to cook a meal, bring it to the community, serve it, and eat with our our, our residents, but but not everyone's comfortable with that. But if you want to cook a meal and, and bring it and serve it and and just do that, or just bring a meal and deliver, you know, th there's different ways that you can engage. But we we would love for for the community to 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 accept that and and engage with us uh, and feed uh, folks Monday through Friday. It's not it's not overly difficult to 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 prepare a good healthy meal for 20 people. Um, but then on Saturday and Sunday, we want to create an opportunity for our residents to learn about what, what goes into to meal preparation. Uh, we'll have community gardens on site uh, where we're going to work with UAMS and, and uh, the division of ag here at U of A to, to develop those community gardens, to put the right plants in, to know what and how to do that, and then create a responsibility for our residents to, to, to farm. Uh, and, and that means everything from, from uh, planting to harvesting to preparing uh, and then taking that into the kitchen and so that we create a farm to table in the community 
that is primarily the resident's responsibility. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I would love to, to have Brightwater engage with us and, and local chefs and, and others who can help teach. Brightwater is the, Brightwater um, is the Northwest, Northwest Arkansas, Arkansas Community Arkansas. College yes. culinary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my good friend, Adam, uh, Simmons, who, who, um, does the outreach for, for them. Uh, I, I've spent a lot of time talking about food insecurity with him. And, and I believe that there'd be a great, not only training opportunity for their students, uh, but just an opportunity to, to engage sure. with a, a population. Uh, so, so we would use that um, for, for maybe a different purpose uh, than, than what many service providers might think of uh, in terms of how they might use their kitchen facilities. But but it's a way to engage the residents uh, in in more than just simply, hey, come, you know, it's time for dinner. Uh, because I, I really, I mean, I think that's important. But but I also would love to see us create some education uh, around that 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 is nutrition focused and and healthy food focused and 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 is more than just simply uh, you know uh, cooking some hamburgers and being done with it. The um, you get any group of people together, and and there's always questions of conflicts and things like that, um, uh, and particularly with folks who perhaps have been on their own for yeah. quite some time. Um, I'm sure the issues of safety have have been brought up yeah, it's a uh, about your facility. How, yeah, how yeah. do y'all tackle that? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's a let's let's give some careful thought to this uh, because I think. There are lots of dimensions to that. So there's a security dimension uh, that that is externally created. Uh, whether you have somebody who is on site uh, to to help uh, develop that, it may be um, you know coupled with security cameras uh, that are on site as well. I mean, we got to be focused on on that as a. a an important piece. Uh, and so, so we'll probably, uh, and we, we have yet to develop the, the fine tuning of this, but, but we'll probably start off with, uh, you know, a part-time evening security person. Uh, we're not going to call them a guard. We're just going to call them, uh, you know, a consultant, um, somebody who can come in and, and keep an eye on the community, uh, in the evening hours when there is no staff present, uh, and and we're not committed to that. We just want to make sure that people know at the, at the outset that that we're committed to that and making sure that it is a safe place, not not only for for Fayetteville in proper, but for our residents. Um, and so so we'll we'll maybe start off with that. We will have uh, security cameras all over the the uh, the property, you know, both on the on the edges of the property as well as, uh, you know, at the porches and, and strategically uh, placed throughout. You know, we, we've got an electrical um, uh, consultant who, who is willing to pro bono all that equipment to us, and, and uh, we're excited to, to, to certainly take that on. But, yeah, that, that I think is important. We would love to see the community at some point embrace that and, and is part of their self-government uh, that they would take on that security responsibility as well. I just don't think out of the gate we want to say, hey, you're responsible for yourself and here's how you have to do that and create this really very difficult logistical protocol that, that you know, they may or may not want to want to buy into. And, and this is sort of a micro neighborhood where people will, it, it, people will have long-term, uh, a long-term home there 
as they work toward transitioning towards something more permanent there it's it's like you mentioned the salvation army have and it's it's kind of rules for how it needs to operate right this is yes. one where people um there won't be like a complete changeover in any given no, time no there wouldn't i mean there, there we want to see transition uh but you know we know that um we, we know that that homelessness is not a um it's not a, a one-size-fits-all. Uh, every story is different. Uh, every person brings something different to the table, and their solutions are different. And, and so, you know, we've been asked a lot about, well, how long are you going to let people stay there? It's like, till they, till they need to, uh, w- would be my first answer. Now, I, I want to I also condition that and say, if, if an individual is there in the community but really is not putting an effort towards getting to that next step, then that's going to be a conversation. But, but you know, it could be 30 days. It could be 130 days. Uh, but but we, we, want to be, we want to be aggressive. I, I've said this all along that, that the bar to get in is really low, but the bar to stay in is really high. Uh, and, and I think that... that we don't want there to be any barriers to anyone coming into this community. Uh, and, and I know that, that when we say any barriers, the, the, the idea of all the things that, that people and all the baggage that people can bring is, is really complicated. Uh, but, but there's a reason why many people are living in the woods in America. And that is because every bar in every housing uh, project or, or shelter or, or whatever is too high. It's just too high. And, and we, have to, we have to create low barrier entry systems in every city in America because, you know, we can't have 65,000 people living on the streets in Los Angeles because they can't get into a facility. I mean, that's just, there's just something wrong with that, rudimentarily wrong. And, and I think that, that here, of course, thankfully, we don't have the, the shocking numbers, but, but even in the context of a, of a small city of about 75,000 people, you ought to be nervous when there's 100 people living in the woods uh, or, you know, in their car or somewhere else. Sure. So you, you talked about the greater community. Um, from your experience, how, how has the greater community treated people who are homeless yeah it's a mixed bag um i i think that that we're we're awfully uh lucky to be here in northwest arkansas where there's a fairly favorable uh, embracing of not only the population but their needs uh and the providers who who serve them uh so But I, would, I wouldn't go as far to say as we've got it covered. Um, I want to say that, man, th- there's some deep pocketbooks and deep, deep, uh, uh, the, the enormous philanthropy uh, in Northwest Arkansas that is, that is pouring money into all kinds of projects. Uh, unfortunately, homelessness is not at the top of that list. But... But in terms of the overall public sentiment, I think that that that's a that's an ongoing process, 
And, and I mean, I've been working at, at public advocacy all my life uh, for homelessness. And, and since I got here in, in 2005, uh, you know, it's changed dramatically. I mean, when, when I first got here, no one really knew how many, where they were, what their needs were. I mean, every service provider had an idea, but it really wasn't until we started the, the point in time census uh, in 2005, actually the first one was in 2007, that, that, we, that we really began to have an understanding of, of, of who they were and, and how many there were and where they were and what their needs were. Uh, and, uh, you know, I really feel like over the last 10 years of providing that somewhat micro level data, uh, that it's that it's really helped not only uh, uh, the providers who needed to better understand the community that they serve, but to the larger community. Because I think that that through education comes understanding. Um, without it is ignorance. And, and I think that the only way we can combat that is to just provide more and more education to to a public that that needs to understand that. And and I'll give you a great example. Um, when uh, when we first started the, the work in South Fayetteville and we walked through the planning commission process, uh, there was very little negative nimbyism uh, that, that was brought to the planning commission. Uh, in fact, if, if you were to go back and listen to those live uh, broadcasts uh, of those meetings, what you would really hear are would be people complaining about the amount of garbage and 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 just the problems that were being created by um, a space that was literally unchecked. Uh, and the University of Arkansas Police Department were doing the best that they could do, but they couldn't be down there every day. They couldn't be watching over what was going on, and things were starting to get out of control. People were getting sick. People were fighting. Uh, you know, there were several deaths. I mean, it, it was it was a third world country. If you walked through it, it was it was horrible. Um, and, and you could drive by and walk around, and there was just this sense of hopelessness and doom. Um, and so. The majority of people that, that talked about when we proposed our project didn't talk negatively about it. They just wanted to get in front of the Planning Commission and complain. Uh, there was one group that was a little bit skeptical of what we were doing, and it was the POA uh, in the neighborhood at Fayetteville Country Club. And, you know, I was surprised that they showed up. Uh, but. But they, they showed up, they, they said a few things, not, nothing particularly negative, more just raising some concern. In the meantime, uh, you know, I'd spent some time talking with some of those folks, uh, and uh, later now, year or so later, they invite me to their POA meeting to do a presentation. And um, so I did a presentation to the POA and uh, told them exactly what we were doing, why we were doing, giving them all the ar architect renderings and everything. And, and at the end of the meeting, you know, I mean, I took a lot of questions. And, and at the end of the meeting, um, I, I really felt like we had turned that tide. Not that that tide was extraordinarily negative. I mean, to their credit, uh, I, they were, you know, they were inquisitive and they wanted to know what was going on. And, and you know, it was certainly, it, it wasn't within a stone's throw, but it was probably the the maybe the single 
recognizable neighborhood that as the bird flies was would be closest to to where we were um but i will tell you now you know weeks later that we got some checks from them um mm. you know they wrote some checks and and it wasn't ten dollars they, they you know they wrote some big checks uh and and so i feel like you know we again it's it's about education it's not you know i, I the majority of people in america uh, understanding homelessness is is not something that that just comes naturally. We we have to be brought to that, and and I think that the more that we can do, me personally, um, I think the better off we're going to be. Tell me a little bit about what people just get plain wrong about our homeless community. Good question. Um, I think what they get wrong is, and again, this is not about. Um, anything but but simply lack of education around the topic um and 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 i think that that comes about because when you turn on the tv or or radio or you pick up the northwest arkansas democrat gazette the first thing that's on on the front page is not homelessness and and while I, I applaud your reporters and have spent many years talking with them over uh, on this topic, it's not in the paper all the time, and 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 it's not on on TV all the time, and and so I think that that all of the the baggage of getting it wrong is no more the fault of anyone except that we just got to keep making sure that they they understand what the the problem is and 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 um educate and and i mean i think that that this is consistent it doesn't matter whether i go to butterfield or ramey junior high the the persistent misunderstanding is about who they are and and the who they are is they're all just substance abusers or they're all just mentally ill uh or they're all drunks they're all they they all don't want to work and you know there's these you know and again i think that it's it's in part uh you know a fake news process over the, the last two decades but it's also just not ever spending the time to 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 really engage with that population and and we i I mean i I will say that in new beginnings uh, if we don't get it right about how we treat the volunteer and how we engage with the community uh, i want to shut that thing down right away Uh, because i think that's the that's one of the critical aspects of of you know it's a new beginning for the people who come in but it should be a new beginning for the community in terms of understanding this idea of what we want to do and why we want to do it and so i think the misinformation again typically is around why these people might have been brought to homelessness you know what led them to that that's a huge chunk of information uh, you misinformation. Know, uh, yeah, as, yeah as you know as far as the average person you know me um you know just going about my daily life you know i'm generally not going to just say you know i want to help the homeless so i'm going to go traipse off into the woods right into a uh, an encampment uh and you yeah. know I think most people would see that as a little risky yeah. uh, uh, at times. It might work out, might not, you know. Um, but um, so I, it seems to me that 
there has to be some kind of mechanism that uh, you you talk about making the transition from you know unsheltered to a permanent home. Right. There also has to be this kind of mechanism to go from having no contact whatsoever with the homeless community to providing to, some to a mechanism that makes you can allow you to have that contact in in a safe kind of way yeah um, yeah because i think that even for the volunteer there's some volunteers who are going to be really comfortable coming down uh and and leading a bible study with six guys right but there are going to be other volunteers who are going to say do you need any food or clothing and and pull their car up drop it off and go so there's this range of volunteerism and and we want to be able to embrace all that but i think you're you're right if if we can't create these avenues uh for for people to to have exposure and to better understand it's going to be the the perception that's created um by let's say for example panhandling you know at some level that was one of the worst decisions that the city could have made, but it ended up being one of the best decisions. And and and, and, and what decision are you referring to? The the change in the ordinance that allowed this to take place uh, on public uh, property, and and they changed the ordinance, and boom! All of a sudden, we saw people panhandling all over, and it was like, wow. Is there just been a rise in homelessness? No. If you've been paying attention to the numbers, yes, there has been a rise in homelessness, but it just didn't happen overnight. What happened overnight was the ordinance changed that allowed people uh, a, a greater presence publicly. Uh, and so so people started to think, oh, wow, this, this is representing homelessness. Created a horrible um, uh, public um, uh, awareness that that shouldn't have happened but at the same time it helped people like myself and others to correct misunderstanding and say they might be but there's a good chance that they're not homeless but here are the people that are and this is the circumstance that they're living in uh, and so that it even again even though um, the story ended up being more about are these people really homeless and we wanted to try and unpack that and and just spend way too much time thinking about who those people were standing on a corner with a, a piece of cardboard rather than uh what is homelessness in north in northwest arkansas and so i took that as an opportunity to to help correct what i thought was a misperception so it ended up being i think and if you look historically at that you know that took place around Oh, I, I want to say that it was January and maybe 17. Um, and, and you know, I, I, I'm not sure about this, but but if you look at that and then look at the news coverage, uh, we we at least put the word homeless and homelessness back on the, the, the paper and, and on to the to the to the TV. And, and for all of maybe the wrong reasons, it at least gave us an opportunity to, to, to lift that, that issue up and, 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 and again, provide a greater insight on, on the complexity of that. And it's not just about standing on a street corner trying to get some, some change for beer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think people do see that 
to some extent is representative of the homeless population mm. that when they when they see the person on the street corner holding that cardboard sign you know there's judgment you know there's there's always Absolutely. well well if he's you know got the ability to stand there for you know he could go get a job you That's know that, right. that sort yeah. of thing but as i understand what you're saying that the, the panhandler and homeless person they're not not, not always the same absolutely people. not you know we did um We've done two major surveys here in Northwest Arkansas of homeless adults. The first one was in 2007. Uh, the, the last one was in 2015. And the 2015 study, we interviewed 168 homeless adults, face-to-face -face interviews of about a, an hour, uh, an enormously rich data. Um, and and one of the, the segments in that, that uh, work that we were doing was on work. And, and we looked really carefully at, at people's work history, what was preventing them, what they're currently doing, you know, what their current, what kind of benefits they receive, how much time they work in a given week. I mean, we really dug in uh, to try and, and get at some of the nuance of employment or unemployment uh, among this population. And one of the questions that we asked were, were essentially a, a, a recall question, you know, in the last year. Uh, of this list, tell us how you earned money, uh, and and of course panhandling was was one of uh, the the ones on the list. Fewer than ten percent of those people that had earned any income over that that prior year checked that off as as a way that they earned money. Now I'm not I'm not debating the fact that that there aren't homeless people that that panhandle. Well, we know that to be true. Uh, how much it's true here in Northwest Arkansas relative to the country, uh, you know, that may be some debate, but I'm, I'm certain that there are some. But, but we also know that there are many people who are living so close to being homeless that they look at that as an opportunity, that they were given that opportunity by that change in the ordinance to, to earn additional money. I mean, I don't think that people are jumping in their Mercedes after they just spent an arduous eight hours in the northwest Arkansas heat in August. They're, they're just not. Nobody would want to do that. Um, and, and so well, while I, I don't debate necessarily whether they are technically homeless or not, the fact is that if they're standing on the street corner, there there is a high degree of need as they perceive it. And, and you know, no stigma to that. We should be respecting anybody who is willing to, to put up with the heat and, and humidity of an August Fayetteville afternoon. And so, you know, I mean, Again, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had to have this conversation. People saying, what should I do? I don't want to give right. them money. You know, it's just like, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, you know, you, you what can't. Do you, what do you do? I, I mean, typically I would, and, I, and I, you've just reminded me that I need to go get some, but typically I'll, I'll have like $5 gift cards from McDonald's in my, my car, and I'll just hand them. Now, I have stopped and talked uh, when I, you know, if I see... Uh, some uh, not an individual male, but if I see a, a family, or if I see maybe somebody, uh, a couple with, with an animal, 
or uh, you know a young child I'm gonna stop and find out what is going on and what we can do uh, because I mean I really feel like I do not have all the answers but I know all the service providers well enough to say to somebody hey you need to go to Salvation Army and here's the number you need to call or you know let, let's try and figure this out I mean I, I can recall one time that and again th this goes back to the let's not assume we know what they need right if you don't ask them you don't know what they really need. Um, uh, I, I agree. Know. I mean, they'll take cash. I can certainly see where, you know, you're in your role, it's kind of a natural thing to step out there and visit with folks and, yeah. and ask them those kinds of questions. I don't know that you're... Oh, and I don't do that all the time. run-of-the-mill, you know, yes. northwest Arkansas right. uh, uh, person is, is going to do that. So I, I kind of get where people are going. Are they, they're a little they're, bit they're, skeptical. They're, and... they're wondering... Am I making the situation better by handing them something? Yeah. Or am I making it worse? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, again, I, I think it's it's each individual and their perspective. What do you feel comfortable with? Um, you know, I mean, I've talked to many churches who have over the years um, created these uh, bags of, of um, supplies. And... Um, you know, they, they pack these bags, they give them out to the congregants, and, and when you see somebody on the side of the road, hand them a bag, and, and you know, it has some toiletry items and, and maybe a gift card, or, or, you know, it's got some snack bars or energy bars. You know, I mean, nothing complicated. Uh, but I got to say that the times that I've done that, no one's ever said, no, I don't want that. Um, you know, so most people are very grateful uh, to receive any help. But I wanted to go back and, and say that the one time that I did um, stop and, and talk to somebody, he had a dog there, I, you know, and I mean, he, the guy looked rough. I mean, he really did. And he, he didn't look healthy. Um, you know, I mean, he's probably uh, had, you know, two or three chronic diseases that he was combating. And he had a dog. And I said, man, what can I do for you? Um, you know, it, it was hot. It was it was humid. He said, you know, I don't need anything, but my dog needs dog food. And so I ran down to Petco and got him a bag of dog food and gave it to him. and said, man, I hope things work out for you. And, and um, you know, so again, I mean, we, we, we don't want to assume too much uh, unless we ask. There, there have been um, efforts in all the communities up here, I think, to... Kind of walk the fine line, you know. After the Supreme Court decided that that uh, panhandling was a form right. of speech, yes, uh, and those changes, uh, you, you couldn't necessarily run them off the street corner. There have been efforts in the different city councils to come up with a new way to mm -hmm. discourage that. Um, yeah, yeah, because uh, they shifted the ordinance here. Yeah, uh, because they got them out of the medians. That was a that was right. a change. Right. They, they had to change that part of the. They, ordinance. they make it to where it's illegal to for for the approach. person to step into That's the right. street to receive That's, anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. They and, and those, those are those are questionable or have been questioned in the courts. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the ACLU has challenged some of those. Um, uh, but is it you know, is it fair for a community to? Uh, to want to present its best face and to recognize that having people on the street corners don't necessarily help with that. Sure. I get that. Uh, and, and my only response to that is, well, if you don't want that, then do something else. You know, I mean, don't run them off. 
create something that that gives them their own space that you know continually support uh, what it is that service providers are doing uh, all of the heavy lift that they do so that people don't have to stay on the street corner uh, and you know create a living wage and this isn't Fayetteville this is this is America create a living wage find a find a, a way to, to generate more affordable housing uh, but but we have to I, th I think we have to move away from from uh, this 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 notion that somehow um, individuals have this uh, uh, the sense that that this is an individual problem it's not it's a structural one and and there's a reason why somebody in America stands on a street corner with a sign and again it's not because they want to there's a reason why people live in the woods in America and it's not because they want to you know I mean I challenge any American to, to go out and live in the woods the way that many of these people have to live in the woods week after week after week, you know, just scratching together to survive. Um, you know, I challenge them to do that and think that that these are uh, America's homeless that want to be homeless. They don't. Um, but, you know, to your point, I think that that every place has an underbelly and and we we have to we have to look carefully at that. We we just can't gloss over that. And uh, I mean, Northwest Arkansas is a perfect example. As I said, you know, enormous philanthropy and 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 Walmart and Tyson and J. B. Hahn and 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 just just a great place to live. If I read one more time, uh, what top five list we're on? Um, you know, I mean, we clearly are a destination. But that doesn't mean that we're without problems. I mean, sure. you know, we have pro poverty and food insecurity and homelessness, and, and and let's just be let's just be forthright and deal with it. So uh, let's just use Fayetteville as an example, since that's where we are today. The um, are, are there are there structural structural um, processes within city government that. Um, stand as stumbling blocks to what you guys are trying to do or uh, you know building codes th things that people wouldn't necessarily think of as as you know barriers to helping the homeless community but but that you know make the cost of housing um too high or yeah. are there are those are there those sorts of parts of government that need to be addressed Yes to all of that, okay. <laughs> uh, and and I think yes to all of it in the sense that uh, <clears throat> again I think it comes with education, uh, and um, you know we have to we have to figure out a way to help not only city government but but all of its constituents understand what the issues are and how they can be addressed so that when it comes time to vote. Those constituents are well educated and know which council, which mayor, which manager, whatever uh, is is going to support this new agenda. That's going to require a new way of thinking uh, and not just a, let's throw a dart and let's see if we can make it go away. I mean, I, I think that affordable housing is is a central issue in the city of Fayetteville, as is also in other parts of Northwest Arkansas, but but we have to to do something uh, that will help address 
housing people who live at or below the poverty level. And, and what's really interesting about affordable housing in Northwest Arkansas is that, you know, people continually talk to me about why has it gotten worse? Well, have you looked at the University of Arkansas? In the time that I've been here, the, the population's nearly doubled. Well, guess who takes up all the affordable housing? These students. Uh, and, and if you look around the perimeter of, of the city of Fayetteville, the only housing construction that's going on that would be even remotely affordable are apartments for students. Uh, and so that um, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a bigger issue uh, than, than what are we going to do specifically for for um, a, a community that wants to house 20 people. I mean, I will tell you that that um, every time I turn around, I, I'm either hearing from my architects or I'm hearing from my civil engineer or I'm hearing from my general contractor that we got to pay this impact fee, we're going to have to pay this permit fee. You know, I mean, it, it's costly to you're, do you're what You're talking about on the new beginnings yes, project? Yes, okay. uh, It's costly to do what, what we want to do. And, and I mean, we went through to get where we are now, and we're close to delivering a stamp set of drawings to begin pulling permits to get where we were. I don't even know how many meetings I sat in. I, I, I don't. I mean, I can think of a half a dozen just with a fire marshal, um, because initially the fire marshal uh, and, and, and their evaluation of the community felt like we needed to put sprinkler units in each one of those 20 units. Uh, which would have been $55,000, um, and then create a, a, a water system that would not freeze, uh, and, and that would have been additional money. And, and, but uh, to the fire marshal's credit, uh, he continually talked and, and engaged with us about what else we, we might, what other solutions we could look for. And, and I pointed to, to some of the work that's going on in Seattle in the city limits of Seattle. And he reached out to the fire chief there uh, and they engaged in a conversation and they came back with a solution. They said, here's what Seattle's doing. If you guys can, can replicate it, we'll be good. And, and they signed off on, on what will be a 24 seven fire watch uh, that we'll create. Um, and that we'll, going back to the security, uh, we'll, we'll use both the security and staff, but we'll also use residents to participate in that as well. But, but yes to the, Boy, we need to really help everybody understand, you know, what's at stake. Uh, and I'm meeting with city council, some of the city council uh, members tomorrow uh, to talk about the project. They want to know, and, and I'm more than willing to share. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the mayor and I have, have had countless conversations about this. And, and um, you know, we're, we're going to ask the city for help uh, because, you know, I mean, it, fiscally, uh, uh, we need to be responsible, and and we're asking the city to to support this this program uh, in a way that that is is more than just simply. Are you talking about ongoing funding? Well, uh, whether you know at this point we haven't asked for any public funds. You know, this entire project has been privately funded for a reason, uh, because I don't think the burden uh, of of capital infrastructure should be on the public, uh, but when it comes to proving that you can build it and that you can create a system that will serve, then I do think uh, that it should be in part the public's responsibility to, 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 to assist in that. And, and so once we're up and running, then, 
it's time to, to start asking uh, um, all of the the uh, folks to, to, to commit to that. I mean, we, we will and we have already asked the city of Fayetteville for, for utility support, um, you know, hookup fees, uh, all the, all the, the front-end uh, work that I think that the city can help us with. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping they say yes. I haven't said yes yet, but I'm hoping they do. <laughs> Uh, well, as we wrap up, give me a sense of, um, you know, your, your hopes may be different than what my expectations are, but I'm, I'm thinking in five years we will not have solved homelessness. So give me an idea in five years from now, what will success look like to you in terms of the efforts that you're, you're, you and, and the other volunteers who serve in WA are putting into this uh, in conjunction with all the other groups that are involved in helping the homeless? Yeah, I mean, I would love to say in five years we're packing up, you know, we're, we're, we're packing up and, and putting everything in storage uh, because we did what we needed to do. Realistically, uh, if you look at the numbers that we've been uh that we've been carefully watching since we got here in 2007, uh, there's been not a single um, uh, data point where homelessness, as we were uh, counting it, uh, went down. And and the most recent jump from 2017 to 2019, we were at 2951, and, and by my estimate, we're probably at about 3,500. Um, but again, those aren't the visible homeless. The visible homeless, uh, the ones that are showing up in, in the service provider's location or pantries or soup kitchens, are probably in the 500-ish range. Um, that number has kind of stayed about the same uh, over the last X number of years, the number that continues to go up is the K through 12 population. Uh, that invisible uh, population, coupled with their parents, uh, continues to be the bulk of that number that that I've represented uh, since I started to uh, to do the point in time census. So that in five years, I would anticipate that unless we come up with some extraordinary affordable housing solutions the invisible population will become more visible and will put a stress and strain on service providers like they have never experienced before. And, and you know, again, I, I think that, that if we just looked at the natural progression of homelessness in America, that, you know, coupled with, with sort of fueled by this lack of affordable housing and a living wage, we have seen what that looks like both in urban and rural settings all around, uh, not not only in the state of Arkansas, but across the country, that that service providers are saying for the first time is we, we don't have the capacity to help anymore. Uh, and I mean, the, the worst case scenario for us would be that all of a sudden we're using our five acres to, to create enough space to bring in people, to, to house them in, in even a semi-temporary uh, facility like, like New Beginnings. So, so that wouldn't be good for me. No, that wouldn't be good for us. Uh, I, I would I would love to see that that we're able to continue to serve this population as we intend to, uh, and that yes, those numbers would shrink. But I expect that because of of the circumstances of of mental health and substance abuse and 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 unemployment and and uh, physical disability and all of those that that represent this this oftentimes large piece of luggage that that the homeless population drags around from from point to point uh 
I would love to see that that shrink, but but realistically, we know that that's probably not going to be the case. Um, and if you look at at what poverty looks like in America today, it's not the the fifty five year old scraggly Vietnam veteran who would have been sixty five a Vietnam veteran. No, it's 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 young African American males. That's who's homeless in America, and that is troubling because if if that's the problem that we have to solve as a country, man, we're we're not we're we're so ill-equipped to to address that. And you could see it uh, all across the urban centers in the big cities like Chicago and Los Angeles and New Orleans and and Atlanta. Um, and you know we this rural suburban homelessness that we're grappling with has its own unique set of problems uh but but i think that in the grander scheme potentially more addressable uh than 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 what service providers are facing in in urban america today okay well i appreciate your time today it's great uh, I, I enjoyed the conversation i think we could visit some other time and still have plenty of yes. uh, interesting uh, uh information to talk about but uh, wish you well on new beginnings and uh, uh, just uh, good luck with everything that you're doing to help out there. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, great conversation, great questions, and uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate the time. That's it for this edition. Thanks for joining us. To learn more about Serve NWA or its New Beginnings Project, visit servenwa.org. Links for other organizations mentioned are with the notes included with this podcast. Be sure to check back as we post new episodes, and of course you can subscribe to our Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette family of podcasts through your favorite podcast platform. That includes Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. They're also available at nwaonline.com podcast. Until next time, this is Greg Harton for Speaking of Arkansas. Take care.